Today on the Being Whole podcast, I have my friend Beth here to chat with us about attachment styles. Dr. Beth Rabarski is a professor at the School of Communication and Media at the University of Illinois Springfield, where she teaches courses on interpersonal communication and public speaking. Dr. Rabarski's research focuses on the social construction of individual and relational identities. Specifically, much of her research is devoted to understanding the communication surrounding romantic relationships as well as sexual communication. Her research has been published in numerous academic journals, and she has written and co-edited two books. Her work has been featured in popular outlets such as the Washington Post, Yahoo News, Bustle, and NPR. She is an active member of the Central States Communications Association. And Dr. Rabarski integrates her communication knowledge into the Springfield community as an advocate for animal welfare, serving as a fundraiser chair, social media director, and communication consultant for the Illinois Humane Society. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. Hello, and welcome again to a special episode of this podcast where we are talking about attachment styles, all things. And okay, one of my favorite things to say, honestly, is like, it's not you, it's your attachment style. (laughs) Girl, it's not you, it's your attachment style. So today we're going to dig in a little bit to these attachment styles. Dr. Beth Rabarski, again, has studied these extensively in a lot of different areas. She's taught about these things. We've had numerous conversations about them because of our own attachment styles and how things show up. So... I want to just dig in a little bit and talk about what are attachment styles, why are they important in relationships, and how do they mess things up? So I appreciate the invite because attachment styles are one of my favorite things to teach about. Because when you think about attachment styles, you really are thinking about how our early relationships really affect the way in which we form all of our relationships Mm -hmm. in our lives. And a lot of times when we study attachment styles, we do in fact study them in regards to romantic relationships later on in our lives. But they also affect the way in which we interact with our family, our friends, Mm -hmm. and even our coworkers. For sure. And so cool things like that about how we form these attachments really play a big impact throughout the rest of our lives. Yeah. But here's the thing, though, that I think is mind-blowing for a lot of people is that the attachments that we form oftentimes up to age one or so oftentimes will dictate the rest of our lives yeah and one thing I want to like point out too if people go and read about attachment styles like a lot of people struggle with it because they're like but I don't my parents were great or they were there for me so there's a couple of things like it's not just about like if your parents were unavailable your parents weren't terrible it's also about your reactions to it but then plus like if you've had trauma or different situations in your life, it can absolutely change or divert your attachment style into something different. So it's like, sometimes if you're reading things or you hear about something and you're like, but that didn't happen to me. It's like also recognizing that there is some fluidity based on like other experiences that have come into play, right? By no means am I saying that these are concrete, right? Because obviously so much happens within our lives. So even as an adult and a grown adult, Mm -hmm. when we have something traumatic that happens in our lives, very much can change the way in which we might continue to attach to people. So for example, I talk to my students and I tell them like, even if you're a grown adult and you might have had a secure attachment your entire life, Mm -hmm. once you have something that traumatic that happens, like your partner suddenly dies or passes away, I mean, that could be something that changes the way in which you might attach to people. Yeah. However, a lot of the research that is done, though, really looks at the way in which people attach to one another in those very primary ages. Mm -hmm. 
And so ultimately, depending upon how you read into it, you'll see that there is sometimes a difference between three and four different attachment styles. Mm -hmm. So for the purpose of this, I'm going to talk about the big four. So again, mm -hmm. uh, like Dr. Caspers was talking about, if you go in and you read about attachment styles, you'll see sometimes they called slightly different names or yeah. studied in three categories or four. But for the purpose of this, we're just going to talk yeah. about the big four. And also just as a caveat to anyone who might be listening, I have read about and taught about attachment styles my entire career the whole time feeling like basically personally attacked by how the literature like yeah. puts it out Absolutely. right it's like I can read this and like actually hate what I'm reading or hearing about myself right and so it really wasn't until I dug into this some of the trauma literature where I was like oh okay this makes sense to me or I understand and it doesn't feel like they're just telling me I'm why I'm terrible <laughs> because I do not start with a secure attachment style so we'll start there so if you were going to just word on the street somebody comes up to you yo Dr. Beth what are attachment styles tell me about them what do you have for people the thing is is that we think about these big four right and these big four are based upon again these early ways mm -hmm. in which we attach to people and so what they found is that one of the primary ones I just mentioned is secure. And the secure individual is somebody who had parents or caregivers, typically the mom, sometimes the dad, who were very much consistently there for the child when they needed them. So in other words, the child cries and the parent is there and takes care of them, changes them, feeds them, whatever they might need. Mm -hmm. And so because of that, it makes them feel as though they can trust other individuals and know that that other individual is going to be there for them. And so when they've done research on it, they have found that when they put a child in that experimental room mm -hmm. and said, how is this child going to react? The child would be upset when a parent would leave. But at the same time, when the parent came back, they were really happy about it. Yeah. And that's the same way that secure individuals are in their adult relationships. They like being with other individuals. They like that companionship and that trust. But at the same time, they're not reliant upon the other person for their own happiness. They're not relying upon the other person to make them feel secure in their relationships. Instead, they're secure in themselves yeah. and the way in which they attach to others. Yes. So okay. of course, secure is the one that we look at and we're like, clearly that is healthy, right? Yeah. Uh, and it's the one that a lot of us do in fact, try to strive for. And I love the idea that you mentioned that you felt kind of attacked in reading this literature, because if you don't fall into that secure attachment style, a lot of times we do, in fact, be like, attacked, seriously, right? some of the articles, I just like now want to write to the authors and be like, do you even understand the way that you sounded? Because like, <laughs> like for real. Yeah. Um, but the other part about this too, you know, for anyone who's listening and who's like, feels upset, like, okay, what my parents did love me or this, it is not about that. And also we cannot ignore the fact like, that environment and resources and ability to be able to be there, you know, thinking even about your parents' own emotional state, like what we can give somebody else is also dependent on where we are in our external resources too. So just really understanding that this isn't about like, you know, trying to blow up your relationship that you have with your parents or anyone yeah. else. It's more of coming to an understanding then of like, okay, where does this show up for me? What does this look like for me? And what can it look like across different relationships? Absolutely. Okay, so break down the other less desirable <laughs> attachment styles for yes. us, Dr. Beth. Uh, and by less desirable, I try to use that term loosely because both of us will admit that we don't fall into that desirable category. Yeah. So we do like to talk about this in a way in which this is, these are categories that a lot of people still fall into, even if it's something that they study and they feel like very wise about their relationships, it still really talks to it. So yeah. 
One of the other styles that we talk about is the avoidant person. Mm -hmm. Now, the avoidant person is a person that oftentimes grew up with a caregiver that may have been absent. Mm -hmm. And so it's an individual who learns to take care of themselves. And so they tend Mm -hmm. to be incredibly independent in their relationships and oftentimes almost keep people at like an arm's length. Mm -hmm. Like, don't get too close. I don't need you in my life. I will take care of myself. I carry the weight of the world on my shoulders type of idea, right? Mm -hmm. And so again, thinking about like an experiment that researchers would do, they very much when the caregiver would leave, the parent was like, okay, I left, but the child's not upset. The child would just go on and keep playing as if the parent was there or not. So even when the parent came back, the child was like, all right, great, you're back. Mm -hmm. Like it wasn't really somebody that they needed to be there. Mm -hmm. And so as they become an adult, the same thing happens is that they are so incredibly independent Mm -hmm. that sometimes they even might feel threatened if somebody tries to encroach on them too much or Mm -hmm. put too much pressure upon them. Right. And I want to point out also that even though like a lot of the initial research focused on that physical presence, like the more we know now too about like emotional neglect. And again, some of you might be listening and be like, well, I wasn't neglected. It's like understanding that somebody can be there caring for you, but if they're not like helping you with your emotions or helping you in a way that feels safe and secure to you, it might not like this is where attachment styles can differ because they are so very personal too. Mm-hmm. So it's like understanding that it's so many different variables in that. So maybe somebody was present for you physically, but if they weren't attending to your emotional needs, like that can throw off everything as well. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. So again, think about that avoidant individual. Mm-hmm. They may have been, you know, fed and changed and cared for it in those type of ways. But if they didn't feel as though the parent was emotionally there for them and yeah. caring for them, it can still result in that avoidant style. Mm-hmm. So beyond just the avoidant style, we also have the anxious style, mm-hmm. um, or sometimes you'll see it called anxious preoccupied, depending mm-hmm. on the literature that you're reading. And we'll name it what it is. This is an individual that is very anxious in their relationships. Mm-hmm. And so with that primary caregiver, sometimes the caregiver would be there, sometimes not. And so mm-hmm. it creates this anxiety for that person of when that other person is there, they essentially like hold on and clench on to this other person because they're mm-hmm. afraid that if they let go, they don't know when the when other person is going to come back. Mm-hmm. And that is scary for them. Yeah. And that is so scary. They, they need to know they have that security there. Yep. And that's where so often, like you just said to you, that's scary to them. And this is where, again, for people who might be like, okay, what well, I was one and like, what? So understanding also that at the same time that you're emotionally forming these thoughts and feelings, like your body is responding to those things. So, so many of our reactions are conditioned even in our nervous system. So you might even now as a, an adult, like logically be able to think through a situation, but not be able to reconcile how it feels to you internally. And so this is where like the, the longstanding effects of it come across in so many different ways Absolutely. right yeah and, and that's one of those things that you do so well in your podcast and a lot of the things that you do is that you talk about that idea of our emotional and physical connections and how much they are tied to one another because if you're anybody that has ever suffered from any form of anxiety whether it be related to your, your relationships or work or whatever you know how that just kind of festers in your entire body and you can feel it and that's what's happening with these individuals who have an anxious attachment style is that it oftentimes will just kind of fester up and all of a sudden they'll find that their mind is starting to spiral in this unique way mm-hmm. of just kind of going down these paths that might not even exist and it might not even be essentially justified for why they're having that anxiety, but it, for them, it truly is. It feels, and this is where too, as we're talking about this, like just even thinking then about your own relationships or different spaces mm-hmm. that you've been in, 
this is where too, like sometimes other people you're like, I don't get why they're so upset or I don't understand why they're coming at this this way. Or you have like a demand withdrawal pattern, which we'll continue to talk about. And it's so often that we're not, we don't know other people's attachment styles or we don't think about it in this way or we're not seeing how it impacts them. And so we're concerned with our own self and how people aren't doing it the way we do it. <laughs> oh, absolutely. Because so, we understand things from our perspective, yeah. how we've done things, how we have experienced things. What our needs are. And what, what our yes. truth is. is uh -huh. like what I like to say, what is yeah. our truth yeah. because what is my truth doesn't mean that it's going to line up with how the way that you're perceiving things is how i'm seeing things and yeah. how i'm perceiving things yeah so obviously this person as they grow up that anxious attachment style they really well for lack of a better term can come off as needy in a relationship and i hate that so much because like as we know we both teach about relationships it's like we know that everybody has relational needs mm -hmm. our needs just don't match up all the time right or we yeah. don't so that's why we don't always understand somebody else's needs and so another way i like to think about that too is for it's the stability factor mm -hmm. right so it's like people have different needs for stability yeah and for somebody who is more anxiously attached the need for stability looks different because they aren't as secure, you know, to use yeah. the terms when that feeling goes away or the person goes away, or even this is where like one of the things I tell, talk to my students about where they're like, Oh shit. Yeah. That's <laughs> what that is. It's like even thinking about texting, you know, it's oh, just yeah. like, okay. When, when you see a red message and you're just like, Oh yeah, man. Yeah. And then that do? person didn't text me back. Are they mad at me? Did I do something wrong? Or then you get pissed at them or like you have a storyline or you spiral. And so even some of those feelings, like thinking about those spaces for you and some of that anxiety versus like other relationships you might be completely like cool with, like, okay, that person didn't text me back for three days, but I know it's because they're busy. Yeah. But then this other person, especially in romantic relationships or wherever else, you might have a completely different feeling for it. So that's where it's also like learning about attachment styles and seeing where they show up for you is so interesting too. Oh, absolutely. Because mm -hmm you will see how, again, what your needs might be in a relationship can be very different from somebody else's. And that's where we'll get about the importance about communicating about these. We'll come back to that in just a second. <laughs> okay, so we've got, what's the final one? Then? All right, so we got our big three thus far. We've got secure, we've got our avoidant, we've got our anxious, which mm -hmm. brings us to the one that's oftentimes referred to as the disorganized. Mm -hmm. And that's one that is oftentimes combining those last two that we just talked about, the idea of the avoidant and the anxious person. Yeah. And so the way in which I like to describe this person is very much, well, for lack of a better term, love me, love me, love me, but don't get too close. <laughs> so it creates a lot of conflict of like, you know, bring and, me in closer, right, but, but I don't get too close because then you might hurt me. Right. And love me, love me, love me in the way I want you to. Yes. Also, like, let's be clear there. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, <laughs> And so it's one of the hardest ones for us to kind of understand in a lot of ways, because it is, it's like, I want one thing, but I want to also a conflicting thing all at the same time. And so that's where that disorganized yeah. term comes in. And I really want to, I mean, I'm just going to be clear and be honest with people. Like, so I am and have been disorganized my whole life. And so as a person then who goes through that, it's not only confusing sometimes to your relational partners, but it can be confusing and feel yeah. shameful for yourself. And that's where, again, if you're thinking about these or reading about these, I really want it, want you to be gentle with yourself for lack of a better way to say it, because so often those behaviors or patterns that you get into are the ones that then you feel shame about or feel bad about because you're like, why do I do this? Or why does this happen this way? And, you know, sometimes we make it about other people, but a lot of times we do bring it back to like, oh, I should have reacted differently or why did I respond in this way? So like using this information more as like an awareness to help you and bring some power back to yourself about 
where this shows up for you as opposed to like thinking like, oh, I do this and this is awful and I'm a terrible person or this is why I'm this way and there's no hope for me. Hopefully this episode doesn't make you feel like you're on the defensive because of your attachment styles in relationships. Did you know that I offer corporate trainings for businesses and organizations? I love getting to do lunch and learns or workshops because of the transformative growth we can have personally and professionally by looking at some of these concepts. If you or someone you know is looking to strengthen a team with communication skills, burnout prevention, or conflict resolution, please don't hesitate to reach out to me on Instagram at Dr. Cassandra LeClaire with the word corporate to learn more about how we can work together and bring growth to the spaces that you need help with. Let's get back to the rest of the episode with Beth and I. Because like the thing that we know above all is, you know, from everything we've taught decades of research and teaching is that, you know, bringing some self-awareness to some of these things and understanding them, there's so much power in that then too, in terms of like, oh, okay, this is how this shows up for me. Mm -hmm. And this is what this feels like for me. And then how can I talk to other people about that? Because I don't necessarily need to try to change every single piece about me. I need to find other people who can understand it and relate to and that I can talk to about it too. Like one of the things that I even talk about with my own counselor, because I think counseling is great. I think everybody should do it, whether you think so or not. Same. Uh, It's one of those things where I talk about um, my own attachment styles, which I will fully admit mine in a minute. That's my cliffhanger there. Uh, (laughs) But nonetheless, in this type of situation, um, you know, a lot of people talk about this idea that they want to be secure. Mm-hmm. Well, we want to be secure, but it doesn't mean that that's going to magically happen. Yeah. And it's about the idea of becoming secure with what your attachment style is. And yeah. so it's not about becoming this other attachment style and trying mm-hmm. to change everything that is essentially wired into your brain and wired into yeah. your body of how you react. Instead, it's about embracing where you are. Yeah. And embracing how you attach to people mm-hmm. and what I think is most important, communicating how absolutely. you attach to people. Absolutely. And that's where like understanding these things, like it has absolutely changed then the way I show up in my relationships mm-hmm. and the way I ask for what I need then, you know, because this is the thing, some of the things that you need or some of the things that you want in relationships they might not make sense to the person you're in a relationship with, or that person might not need those things. And that doesn't mean like your needs are wrong, but how can you talk about those things? And, and some of it's, again, so I'm going to give a simple example. Like one of the things in my romantic relationships is I like to be told like, good night and good morning. Yeah. Right. Okay. Again, disorganized. Like I need to, I need to hear you where you at because that is crazy. That's security for right, you. Right. right. And so I, rather than like get pissed off at somebody for not doing that, I now am secure enough in my disorganization (laughs) to be like, Hey, this is a thing for me. And this is something that makes me feel loved and makes me feel special. And not that now it's an expectation that you're obligated to, but just something where, so, you know, that if those things don't happen, you know, fine, occasionally, whatever. But if it's like long periods of time, like that's hard for me. And so being able to be vulnerable and open about like, this is where I'm at, or this is what this looks like for me. Again, that took a long time for me to get there. And most of that was, you know, some of its reactions from other people, of course, but a lot of it was my own not feeling secure with that's what I needed instead shaming myself or like, that's crazy. Why do you need that? Or what what makes you feel that way or what have you. So just like you said, understanding that none of these styles like are some sentence of like, this is, you know, you are doomed to be alone or you have to find somebody else who's exactly like you. Because the reality of that honestly is like, 
Well, <laughs> I, I like that you mentioned that idea of like finding somebody that's like you. And this is where some of the research comes in too, is that they have done research on which attachment styles are happiest together. Yeah. Oh, I've Googled that. Don't oh, <laughs> yeah, right? I've read the academic research and then I'm like, okay, okay yeah, yeah. Uh -huh. yeah. <laughs> so you think about two secure people together, clearly happy, healthy, right? Uh, and then you think about two avoidance together, like don't get too close to me, don't get too close to me remarkably can work out too yeah two anxious people together can seem really really rough like no be there for me no be there for me more yeah and then you think about like two uh you know disorganized styles the other again one could need one and then back and forth and back it does not mean that the same attachment style is going to be the healthy one for no, you it does and in fact some research has even shown that sometimes a secure individual with the other attachment styles the secure individual be will be actually more satisfied in the relationship because they feel like they're making a difference and the same thing with the other person yeah. whether they be an avoidant or anxious or whatever that they feel a little bit more secure mm -hmm. so sometimes that mixing of attachment styles can work out yeah. now where it does get a little weird and i will fully admit that is when you take somebody who might be an avoidant and trying to put in with somebody who's anxious that again is where things get a little ugly and this is also where it's interesting to look at your own relational history and to be able to see like if there are certain types of people that you're choosing and sometimes we choose people who are completely opposite of right. our attachment styles Absolutely. too, right? And then we don't understand it. And so this really, again, using all of this information to help you as data, as knowledge, to help you understand some of your own patterns, not only with what you're feeling about yourself, but to help you understand how other people are showing up too. And the cool thing, I mean, obviously we're both research geeks and we love this <laughs> stuff, but the cool thing about that then is when you start to understand other people's attachment styles, it allows you to take things less personally. Oh, that's shit was not about me okay yeah. and not because you're villainizing them or their attachment style but like again understanding like this is how i show up these are my needs but that might not be where this person is coming from and again because we're communication people really being able to then have that conversation and being open about some of these things and that's what all of this is is so many people just don't know no. and they don't know what they need and it causes so much conflict right yeah absolutely um so one of the things we know about that disorganized attachment style is that it's not something that is necessarily formed in that first year. Mm -hmm. The disorganized is more likely to be based upon the ideas of trauma. So the fact that you said that you're disorganized is, oh, is not sure. surprising, right? Yeah. yeah. Uh, because when people experience that trauma, and sometimes even it's a situation of even divorce, for example, a mm -hmm. child of divorce, it's not unusual to see them also create that attachment yeah. style of don't get too close, love me, love me, love me, though. Yeah. And so that's not unusual mm -hmm. for myself. I oftentimes will admit that I thought I was disorganized. I mm -hmm. did. But as I've reflected more and more upon it, I find that I'm much more of an anxious attachment style. Mm -hmm. Now, this is the one, again, I think that when we think about the anxious, we think about that as being like the worst of the attachments. I'm, I'm like, no, it's not. It's just based upon the history that I've had. Mm -hmm. um, I fully admit that I grew up in a household where I had alcoholic parents mm -hmm. and they were sometimes there and sometimes not for me, sometimes mm -hmm. physically, sometimes emotionally, sometimes mm -hmm. not, sometimes not. Right. Mm -hmm. And so it's not unusual that as I have now grown into an adult, that even in my friendships, for example, mm -hmm. it's not unusual that if I were to text my friend and say, Hey, you know, what are you up to or what is going on? Mm -hmm. If I don't hear back from them, Okay, going back to that whole, yeah. you know, red part, like, you know, I can see that you read my message, but you've not responded. Oh my goodness. Oh, do you hate me? Oh, oh, what did I do? What did I do wrong? Yeah. And so my anxious brain 
mm-hmm. goes down this path. Mm-hmm. And my friends in my life know that it's not unusual for them to get a text message from me that says, hey, is everything okay? Mm-hmm. Is everything okay with you? Mm-hmm. Is everything okay with us? Mm-hmm. Because my anxious attachment style says that I have done something wrong. Yeah. And there very well could be nothing that has happened. But my anxious attachment style has told me that I've done something wrong. And then, as we've talked about before, I feel it in my body. Yeah. I feel the tenseness. I can feel it in my face. Nobody understands how much this is showing up in your body. And like, I lean more anxious than anything the disorganization just becomes when I become anxious, then I want like some feedback for it. Right. But so what you're saying too, is then you start to personalize all of these situations and and, it's my fault. It's my fault. I did something And you take on some of that ownership. And that's where too, like other times, then there will be other people who will be like, oh, that's that other person. So even understanding that people are not coming at this the same Mm -hmm. way or looking at it the same way. Mm -hmm. So you gave the perfect example though. You said like your friends understand like, okay, they know that they might get that test yeah that right there like so just even thinking about the beauty of understanding these things like the difference between me now and any of my relationships even like 10 years ago or what have you is that because I do know some of these things or I know where my own patterns show up like I can say those things like okay because you know we don't have that anymore like if I don't text you you'll be like oh it's Cass ghosting me again (laughs) which I will fully admit like we've had we do have had this conversation like I don't hear from you sometimes for a while like is everything that is a perfect example of it but that's Mm -hmm. where this communication part comes in right yeah and as you know scholars of communication this is where we emphasize of how important it is and I've told my friends and they know you know my personal history they know where I'm coming from so when I tell them Mm -hmm. this is where this comes they they understand I mean they may not understand how I'm feeling but they uh they may not even understand why I'm feeling what I'm feeling but they understand at least right that I am having these feelings right and it's not about them it's about me and that's so important. I think like this is the thing, you know, when you're any in any sort of relationship, like negotiating that space with somebody and it feels so vulnerable to admit those things to somebody. You know, it feels so scary because especially if they don't have the same thing or you're like, they might not understand mm-hmm. or they're going to think that weird or why, what have you. But it's then recognizing that they have their own, you know, needs. They have their own quirks oh, or absolutely. whatever preferences, things that you want to call it. And so some of this too, is it really is that big, huge exercise and vulnerability. I mean, vulnerability isn't just like exposing your deepest, darkest secrets. It's also being honest about your feelings. Oh, yeah. And so often we aren't. And that goes back to even like our body, you know, like we might want to tell somebody, but then we feel it inside. So we're like, oh, that must mean I shouldn't say yeah. anything, or that must mean this. So really even being able to think about like, okay, what, what does this look like for me? And maybe you're not ready to have a full on conversation with somebody about like, here's my attachment style. This is what this means. (laughs) Here's what you have to do for me. But instead looking at like, okay, what are my preferences in relationships? And so often we don't know, we just want to be pissy at somebody else for like not meeting our needs, but we're not also articulating what they are. And like, you cannot continue to get mad at somebody for not giving you something that you didn't ask for. I'm sorry. Like y'all got to stop that. Yeah, that whole idea, like, you know, people should be mind readers in our relationships, especially in romantic relationships. I see it all the time of like, if this was meant to be, they would know exactly what I need. Oh, no, we are not mind 
readers? Would they? Yeah. And I mean, so this is where some of this comes in because again, or otherwise we think that the other person should be doing something because that's what we would do instead of recognizing that that is not everybody's go-to because yeah. a lot of the things we're going to, our reactions, our behaviors, the ways we're showing up for people are based back on these attachment styles. So inherently somebody is fundamentally different from you. you oh, know? absolutely. Yeah. And that's where I really challenge people is I challenge them to again, do some self-reflection, which of course, you know, is key to everything you talk about, but, you know, reflect upon your own attachment style, recognize perhaps not necessarily where it came from, but essentially how you feel now. Yeah. And how does it affect the way in which you are interacting with other people? How is it affecting the way in which you're connecting with other people? Mm -hmm. But here's my other part of the challenge. It's to talk to other people. Oh, the mm. people in your life, your friends, your romantic partners, and have those rough discussions. And they can be rough, I will fully admit it. And yeah. even with my current partner, we have different attachment styles. Mm. And he understands what I study and why I study it and things like that. And at the same time, you know, having that conversation of this is how I'm feeling. And yeah this is how and why I experience these things at the same time also trying to ask him about how he's feeling and where those feelings are coming from yeah and it does not mean that everybody's comfortable and I will fully admit that he is not the type of person that ever wants to talk about feelings emotions and where those things are coming from but at least I challenge you all to provide that opening that space that space to have those conversations well because it allows you to have a different form of understanding of somebody else too and that's what this is is like starting to then understand you know because I would have patterns across different relationships and so then you get in this space you're like oh my gosh this is me or what am I doing right Mm -hmm. and so really understanding like okay what about this what do I need from this or why is this what's happening to me and then being able to really articulate that with somebody else or to again have that conversation or even if you're not ever going to talk about it to know what that's what the other person is and like I shared with you too you know my partner and I he's like I feel like our inner six-year-olds are fighting that's like one of my favorite (laughs) things he's ever said to me because I'm like oh you're so right and so it's even recognizing where those old patterns and habits creep in because that's what your go-to is so so often you know you can have done this huge personal growth journey or you can feel like oh I'm in a different place but there is just a lot of embedded subconscious stuff that can come up and again it might surprise you oh, you might yeah, be like absolutely. oh I've been good and then there will be a different scenario or situation or trigger or whatever you want to say where all of a sudden it throws everything everything falls yeah. apart too and so even recognizing like what you're saying is that okay people can have different spaces with this we can be in relationships with people who have multitude of you know we can all have different attachments yeah styles. absolutely but then what are the important parts of it that you want to be able to discuss with somebody or how does that, what does that really look like for you and how does it show up for you? And sometimes too, even the act of telling somebody what you need. So back to like the good morning, good night things. Like once I said that that's what I, you know, it's like, this is important to me or it makes me feel special or whatever. Mm-hmm. Then all of a sudden as that person is doing that, or I feel secure in that sense, or I know that's going to happen then it all of a sudden, it's not the thing that's the most important to me because I've understood that it's going to be there. And so even me being then able to articulate that and go back to that. But again, some of this is we don't have these conversations. No. People don't start off relationships being like, here are my interpersonal needs. I Let's mean, I do, but I do. I know, I'm really <laughs> weird like Let's be real. Um, but 
but that's the thing like if we could do that and we could even just give people the space to do that for themselves you know and understand that because the thing of it is is it's not only a gift to the other person that you're understanding them it's a gift to yourself because like you said I don't have to take things as personally I don't have Mm -hmm. to think something's my fault or when somebody reacts in a certain way I then can step back and be like okay what about, you know, what could be going on here? And again, not as using this as an excuse to like, no. be like, oh, that's our attachment style. So I'm going to like disregard everything that happens, but more of a place to help you make sense of things for yourself, I think. And one of the things I do also encourage people to do is to go online. There's so many different attachment style quizzes out there because yeah. as you've listened to this podcast and listen to these different types of ideas, you're like, oh, I might fit in this one. You might be surprised yeah. when you've taken one of the actual scales of where you actually fit in these attachment styles. Yeah. And once you kind of figure out where you fit based upon, you know, these quizzes or even again, just doing some simple self-reflection. Mm-hmm. I don't mean to call it simple because it's hard. It is hard. <laughs> it so is hard. hard some hard self-reflection uh is that you're going to really understand yourself in a new way yeah and you're going to see it in a different way and it might cause you to think about things and the way in which you approach life in different ways yeah and that's the thing too I know a lot of you listening probably are like well what but I'm already in these relationships how do I go start these conversations now and that's the the thing about any personal growth or self-development is really then recognizing again that's an exercise in vulnerability being able to say like I know that these are our patterns or this is what's shown up or this is how I've been and here's what I think is happening for me or here's what would make me feel good and honestly instead of thinking about that as like oh I'm so needy because I'm telling somebody I need this you're at you're showing somebody how to love you in a way that feels good to you yeah and if I'm in a partnership or a friendship with somebody I want to love them in the way that feels good to them and, and you so, want the same thing from them. Want the you want to back, know what makes them right? feel loved. Yeah, exactly. So I think even just recognizing that, and I mean, we're going to do a whole nother episode on love languages and all these things <laughs> yes, too. Can't wait. But like even recognizing those things, it's like, oh, okay. So I might be showing up for a person in a way that just doesn't feel okay to them or feels different to them. And so what can I, how can we negotiate that space? And what does that look like? Because as you said too, otherwise we get into those patterns, you know, you think yeah. about just the different ways that we respond to somebody or we get mad at them because they didn't give us back what we needed or vice versa and that just starts this this cycle then of where people get into conflicts about things that might not even be about the event or the actual conflict but it's just our preconditioned responses absolutely uh, I appreciate you inviting me on today because again attachment styles are one of those things that I get really yeah. geeked out on I love to talk about them because yeah. they have such an impact on us but yet mm-hmm. even though we might think about it and generally people might think about them they don't necessarily think about them in this type of style right and like you said too it's like you know we might have heard about it or thought about it but not really looked at it in terms of across our relationships because mm-hmm. again so often this used to be just only talked about in forms of like ro- romantic relationships but even as we've talked about workplace stuff I mean we've both done workshops and things for businesses and being able to say like okay well this is how it shows up at work well, yeah, people are like, oh, oh you oh. didn't return my email what yeah that's yeah. my favorite example yeah <laughs> I shared this grand idea and nobody yeah. nobody even recognized my grand idea yeah. yeah and so even being able to do that I think like it's been really interesting as we've talked to business managers or people and in, in things and helping them understand their employees differently or helping them yeah. understand like okay this person isn't being you know they aren't being needy or this person isn't being that and so even just understanding again that just because somebody is showing up differently than you doesn't mean that that how they're showing up is wrong (laughs) and because somebody has different needs than you doesn't make them needy 
and understanding that because secure people by the way ps have needs as well oh yeah everybody has needs and so for some of you this might only come up in romantic relationships or or the triggers or uh, activating parts for you might look completely different yes so even understanding that because that's where sometimes people too can get confused they're like but i only feel this with this person so it's got to be this person it's like oh no it's probably more about the type of relationship you have with that person yeah you are correct Yes. It's been so wonderful to have you here today, Beth. Thank you again, everyone, for listening. I'm so excited that we can just dive in a little bit more to some of these topics. And I think that that's one of the things that I'm excited to do. And as Beth and I talk about other things too, is that there's so many theories or different concepts that we've taught about in our classes, but really, really being able to break them down and talk to people more about them because these are interpersonal situations that happen in people's daily life. This isn't something where you should take a college class and then only know about it. These are things that if more people just know knew that some of these things existed or what's going on, I think we really would be able to relate to people differently. Absolutely. I love when we connect with people and we take this research and we make it, you know, obtainable and approachable to, well, frankly, anybody. Anybody. Yeah. And that's the whole point of this. And that's what I love a lot of what you do and how you talk about your subjects is that you make it approachable. I hope you learned new things about yourself or maybe got insight on others in your life and what attachment style they may fall into. A better understanding of what happens and why they do based on attachment styles. Here are a few takeaways from this episode. Number one, your attachment style is often molded by how you established independence in your first year of life. However, the life trauma that you may experience can influence your attachment style to change. Number two, people have different needs for stability, which looks different for each love language. Number three, just because you could be a different attachment style doesn't mean that you can switch. The more important factor is to become secure with your own attachment style and communicate that to others. Number four, by learning your attachment style and the attachment styles of people you regularly communicate with, you can understand where someone is coming from and why they do the things they do without taking things personally for the most part. Number five, Just because somebody isn't meeting your needs, that doesn't mean the relationship is doomed. It requires communication to get on the same page to work well together. Thanks so much for listening to this episode. I hope you return again soon for another episode.